1: Freedom of movement, the right to privacy. Both are concepts you've probably thought about a little bit differently since the lockdowns and civil liberty intrusions that started in 2020, even farther back if you really think about it. Well, our friends at privacypost.io have you covered of something that you're probably gonna wanna know about if you value both of those things. Privacypost.io is a privacy by default virtual mail and business center designed for the location-independent, expat, an international entrepreneur community. Anyone seeking financial freedom should consider PrivacyPost.io. Their services include virtual mail, a professional business address, privacy trust services, company formation, and a Portugal D7 residency and virtual domicile in the privacy-respecting and income-tax-free state of South Dakota. PrivacyPost.io protects you from third parties overreaching government agencies, and complicit cloud-based platforms invading your personal, private, and business information. Privacy is freedom of association, expression, commerce, and mobility. Isn't it time you took it a bit more seriously? PrivacyPost.io is your partner in freedom. Go to PrivacyPost.io for more information today.
0: Yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez.
1: LB, I appreciate you being here, man. Uh, you know, it's really funny. I'm, I'm glad that Mark connected us because I did that post libertarian episode a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'll be quite honest, um, I've stayed off like libertarian Twitter as much as I could because I just genuinely don't like hurting myself as much anymore. But, um, what, what, you know, I, I started hearing that phrase probably in around July and then throughout the fall, it got something that was, you know, just getting everywhere. People were bitching at Mark, people were bitching at Jason Stapleton, Pete Quinonez and the such. And, you know, the term post-libertarian started getting thrown around. And all I really took from it was, it, it, you know, I, I, I'm glad you're here because you're the person that really kind of opened Mark up to this. And, that's where I started really thinking about it more. It's this idea of you know, what I call like libertarian apologism. It's that despite how the world turns and despite how many false prophets and false promises we kind of throw ourselves, the world is going one way, and it seems like the liberty movement is going a completely different way. And I don't necessarily want to write off the cliff a lot of people. That said, that doesn't mean that I've stopped believing in libertarianism. That doesn't mean that I've stopped, you know, identifying as a libertarian. But it's, it's now the least important part of my life now. And what I value more is how I'm actually achieving more liberty in my life. Now, a while back, you had published uh, an article discussing this. And in detail, I've never really seen people go into it. You, you really look at the libertarian movement as not just having started like a year ago or 2016. You really go back to the liberty movement the libertarian moment that happened with Ron Paul and kind of like where we've grown, whether we've liked it or not since. So I, I kind of just want to get into that. And I mean, I'll just peel the bandaid off right now. Post-libertarian, is it a label? Is it uh, a phase? I mean, even as I talk about it with people, I have a general understanding, but I, I think it's uh, bigger than just um, somebody that just doesn't want to deal with you know, libertarian infighting and stupid party shit and all that stuff.
0: When I wrote the essay, um, I did it for a few reasons. One of them was I hated the label of post-libertarianism and the idea that like, just like post-modernism, we can kind of do something like that. And I kind of, and frankly, the first time I was hearing about it being on Liberty Twitter, you, you have a point there about Twitter in general has this degenerate effect on you. If you're not careful, it can really I, I would overtake rather take your a life
1: cigarette and stick the hot end on my arm at this point. <laughs> like my, my, my life has gotten better because I don't, I don't like being bogged down in like the same arguments that we've been having forever.
0: And I think you've really encapsulated a lot of the sentiment that's kind of been brewing within the law, lo- the broader movement, because just like you were saying, I'm the same way. It's like, these are ideas that I have, in a sense, sworn fealty to for a good portion of my adult life and spent a good deal of time defending them. And then, and then we have the, the year of, you know, then we have 2020. We have everything that happened there. Um, but more importantly, then you kind of, but then it was for me, it was kind of an awakening. So to, to back it up just a little bit before I get into it, I had done a project where I was, I was writing and kind of doing a podcast in like 2014. 15 up and through the election of donald trump with a few friends it was kind of like in conjunction with a college thing um and it was you know we put some good stuff out and, but and then i kind of and then i got and then it was but it was tough to keep it going and you know it wasn't i wasn't as disciplined then as i am now so it wasn't something that ever really got off the ground and then i got a job that i still have that i really really like and i kind of was like you know what I'm just going to stop. I, I can always come back to writing, I can always come back to podcasting because I love the medium, frankly. if, I, if, if, my, if my path goes that way and, and in 2020, my path went that way again, because I realized that, like, you know, I had something to say, and you know, I think I have a perspective that helps people understand the world better. And a lot of that is informed by libertarianism and, and libertarian thought. But I noticed, as I started to engage on Twitter and other social media, I started to notice some of the patterns that a lot, of, a lot of people would levy as criticisms of libertarianism, right. Or of libertarians, we might say, because the people that I knew are generally success, you know, generally speaking, kind of found success, you know, maybe not major success, but are like stable. Like, you know, they kind of, they moved into business interests or like their interests kind of changed beings. a little bit. Yeah. Um, now you were saying, what is it? Is it an, is it an identity? Is it a label? I think it's a moment. Um, and that's what I talked about in the post-libertarian moment defined, which is an essay people can read. And as you point out, I tried to get, I tried to, um, give a little bit of history and then I tried to talk about what it is, why it happened, what it is not. And, um, I never remember the fourth one, even though I wrote it. Oh, what, like what to do, I think was uh, the prescription was, was pretty much after that. And it was honestly, it was, because I don't think it's I don't think this is like an identity, a label that people are really can really adopt for themselves. And philosophically I'm very interested in the idea of identity. So it all kind of it all kind of connects.
1: What what makes it difficult for me is that I, I feel that one, I don't like I, I don't like superficial labels.
0: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, I just feel that for you know for, for a space like this in the political sphere it doesn't add anything. If anything, I think it subtracts from opportunities. Yeah. It's why I don't go around putting like, you know, libertarian in my Twitter bio. I have a problem with anyone that puts that type of stuff in their like online bios, for example, I think that it is a substitute for a personality. But with that said, you know, like with, with my show and everything, this is an extension of my business. This is an extension of me as an individual. I won't, even though I have certain ideas and principles, I want to be open to more people. And I, the last thing I want to do is focus on things that ultimately don't matter and hmm. fighting about how I identify on a certain thing. I, I think rather than telling you what I think I am, I could show you what I'm doing. And if you want to engage with me or if you want to work with me or do whatever, you'll, you'll, you'll find a reason to do that.
0: Yeah. In the essay, what I say, the divide currently, and this is, this is all surrounding the idea of political action, by the way. That's the only reason why any of this really happened. If it wasn't for the fact that Michael Heiss started the LPMC and recruited a lot of people to try and take over the Libertarian Party, I'm not sure we would be having the conversation in this way at this moment. I think a lot of... It's
1: so weird how it's worked out.
0: mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Now, and I would also say in 2015, 2016, when the LPMC was started, it was at least worth trying right? Like it's not just like if, you know, in in an abstract sense without direct empirical knowledge. And so when I, as so I'm like, I'm doing the writing thing and the podcasting thing, and I'm trying to gain an audience and get my message out there. Right. So as part of that, I was like, you know what, the way I see it, it's like monthly meetings, probably a couple extra meetings like that to organize people and to talk to people. Dave Smith says that he needs people to join. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to pay my dues for the LP. I'm going to pay my dues for the LP of Illinois. And I'm going to see what this is all about. And I, you know, like in my close, my close group of friends that I talk about stuff with, I said two things. I said, I'm going to go in and see whether it's possible, right, to take over the Libertarian Party. And then the second thing I wanted to figure out just from in my own way, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I think I have some of them. That's why I wrote the essay. That's why I think this is catching on and people are starting to talk about it more and more. But the second thing is what I wanted to see whether it was worth taking over the libertarian party. I looked at it in a business way, the way a venture capitalist we, as uh, as it were might try to acquire a business. Like what uh, what if I'm buying a business that isn't doing well, what am I actually doing? Okay, do they have IP, right? Do they have some sort of intellectual property or a patent that I can use and like incorporate into my business? Do they have a real estate that I'd be interested in acquiring and could possibly sell at some sort of a profit. Do they have machinery that is, you know, that, that would cost me, you know, certain amount of dollars. And, and of course the labor too, right? The people involved that actually understand how to, how to run a business or operate the business, even if it's not being run well. And I tried to apply these sorts of insights that I had witnessed in my own personal and professional development to this joining
1: of the LP. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it also matters the, the type of partners you go into the venture with? I, I yes. think that would be and I, I, I bet you're probably gonna bring it up, but like that was the biggest thing that was immediately like a red flag for me. We're yes. gonna get we're gonna get these these people who don't do much stuff in the real world, like the day to day physical world, to suddenly start a political movement that largely just seems like a lot of smoke and mirrors online.
0: Yeah, and listen, people can go and listen to past episodes of my podcast from like late 2020, early 2021. Um, in fact, I, I can point out the episode in particular. It's the one I did right after the election of 2020, uh, where we were kind of, and I did it with a close friend of mine, and we were kind of, we were talking about the future at one point in time, and to so the question of political action and whether that should be in the LP or within the GOP. Because again, this isn't about. I'm not here. We're not talking about academic discussions. I love having those. I love exploring ideas. It's why I talk about philosophy. Like I do that stuff for, that gives me pleasure to read philosophy. Right. So like, I love the academic discussion, but that's not all there is. It's not all theory. But what I, my job right now, ironically enough, is like as an applications engineer, it's gen, under a sales umbrella, but like I actually work in the application. So I, uh, every day I not every day, but at least once a month, I'm I'm confronted with a problem that was created by some design engineer with a degree who doesn't understand how things work in the real world. So this is a very so w- I th- and I think without practice, then your ideas really aren't worth a lot. And, you know, and that kind of traces to a general American pragmatism. If uh, you're wondering talking about the irony, right? <laughs> but so you know, but so I came from this very heady like ph- studying philosophy and economics and thinking that might have been my path to go the Ph.D. route to kind of literally being thrown into manufacturing eventually. Like it wasn't, you know, there's stuff, there's steps in between. Um, but so I was faced with kind of the reality of my decisions. Like it didn't actually matter if I could talk really well in that environment. It mattered if I could get things done. So how does this relate? Like I said, and you, and you pointed out, well, the people that you're getting involved with too. And I met some, I, there are nice people within the LP who I met who, you know, I would grab a beer with, I would, you know, hang out with them, so on and so forth. But when you walk into an LP meeting, you're basically confronted and I'm in a state like Illinois, right? That's where I live. So I'm already in a failed state, right? Like Illinois is not on the, it's not on the upswing. It's on the downswing. May God be with you. Yeah. Um, You know, and I'm right outside of Chicago to boot and I grew up out and that's where I, that's where I spent most of my life growing up, like from seven to 18. So, you know, I'm already kind of in a state where I understand it's kind of pointless, because there's such a machine that operates against you. But moreover, when you go into, so, but when you go in, it's, it's like anybody that you're talking about running is basically expected to lose, but we're still going to spend in the, at least the thousands. I've also heard tens of thousands of dollars in fundraising to get ballot access for statewide races. And this is considered normal for LP for like for the LP and from the outside looking in, it's not a member account. I guess it kind of makes sense. But once you actually look at the money that's involved, because by the way, it is so difficult as a third party to get ballot access in most states. Like really a state like Illinois, we're going to do this. And I was, and, and at the time I was even saying like, listen, I think we shouldn't do this. We should focus at the County level. And for anybody that was, that had been like in the LP they were they kind of looked at me like I was an alien with two heads. It's like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? We're, of course we have to run somebody for governor. Like we're the libertarian party going back to that conversation. I had what I said at the time of why I was more interested in getting involved with the LP than getting involved with the GOP. And to the extent that I would right? like I'm, I'm a writer, I'm a podcaster. This is what I like to do the most, but I, but I talk about politics. So I, you know, it, it, you have to, you have to think in those terms, but I said, the libertarian party bears my name. I'm a libertarian. Shouldn't that be where I go? So that was the conversation I had then then I decided to join with those two criterion like I t- like uh, like like we just went over and what I my own personal opinion is that yes the LPMC can take over but no I don't think it's worth it and I think I think what the LPMC has built up is so powerful that it's limited by the libertarian party and in fact it's
1: almost become like they they basically built their own institution they wanted to simply be a caucus, but what they ended up doing was they formed their own institution. They formed their own packs, for crying mm-hmm. out loud, which, I mean, I I remember speaking with uh, Michael Heiss at uh, Matt Kibbe's Christmas party to name drop people for the hell of it, like three years ago, you know, like in the before times. Sure. And, um, you know, it was one of those moments where it was just like, you, you all have basically said that we're going to take over something inefficient but at the same time, in order to take over this inefficient thing, we have to build something that's more sufficient. And it's like, why why, why admit the, the cancer is the whole being instead of saying, hey, let's eliminate the cancer and move on with our life? Because it was almost like, dude, you could just go literally do your own thing, whether you wanted to be your own political party or you wanted to be a kingmaker regardless of party, depending on cast, depending on races, it was always like we're, we're fighting to be the cool kids at the special needs table.
0: That's a fun way of putting it for sure.
1: It will not win you points at parties, but it's the only way I could describe it.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I mean, and I think there's, I think there's something to that. What I would say is, you know, part of the, it, you know, it's also like, so then as you were saying, other people are starting to talk about it. There are criticisms in the air of how it's not going to work Uh, You know, Matt Erickson, Picanona's Jason Stapleton had some things to say about it as well. And I I was kind of like, I was one of those people that didn't realize these divides existed. You know what I mean? And I was, and so I heard somebody like Matt and then later Andrew from popular Liberty as well. And it was kind of like, all right, I can kind of understand what these guys are saying, but I don't get this part. Well, my method is not to just dismiss people like that, unless I can be like pretty sure that it's, you know, that you're not like some guy tried to some guy recently came at me on Twitter and was trying to compare like nuns and monks to communists and saying that like, you know, monks live in communism and it's, and like, that's not somebody I'm going to engage with. Right. That's not an honest actor. They were a boomer. So that's part of the reason why, or I guess technically gen X, but whatever. The
1: the thing with Stapleton, I mean, I I credit, I, I credit Jason with like, you know, throwing like some gasoline on that fire. I think for a lot of people, they, they lunged at Jason because Jason was flexing on a lot of people that were insecure about their money. Like that, as, as like narrow as I could get, he was like, I can buy my own freedom. And other people were like, well, what, well, what if we can't do that? And he's like, that's not my problem that you're poor. And that, that, that's not being poor. Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of instigated it, but it's like they were so focused on that one thing They were kind of, you know, missing the forest for the tree, so to speak. And I I found myself very, very much in that state. And I mean, I I wouldn't even call it this post-libertarian, big air quotes, because I'm probably going to butcher it, like this concept of just move on past these political practices. I mean, I've almost seen it, even in just this very short amount of time, go from just evading politics to just trying to become as independent from any and all systems as possible, short of becoming like, you know, a Unabomber in the woods type of deal. Like what if we tried to just become as wealthy and powerful and influential as we possibly could? So we could not just simply be post-libertarian in that sense, if we're going to pigeonhole ourselves that way, I would even just call it post-political. I, I yeah. would even say that's the phase of my life that I'm currently in. I would, I'm in, in two, a post-politics stage.
0: Yeah. I would say in 2016, my, one of my hooks was I was trying to move the conversation beyond politics because I thought, and, and, and by the way, for the record, that is a solution. Like removing yourself from the political system, focusing on your own personal development, becoming stable, right? Trying to get as far ahead as you can. Those are solutions. Um, I'm also just somebody who's always been interested in politics. And so like, I'm still, so I find myself, I, I find find myself
1: getting pulled back.
0: And Right. But I also, but I'll tell you what, I also find myself re-entering it with a new frame of mind based off of the insights that I have learned by implementing those things in my life. And i you know, to the specifics of the don't be poor message, which I'm a big fan of and I've written about is, you know, I can, I understand on a personal level how that can hurt because I've had, because it wasn't that long ago that I didn't have money in my bank account left over every single month. And in fact, I was operating in the red a lot.
1: Oh, there's a story I tell people where it's like for I, I took a, quote, job on a campaign. I got mm-hmm. paid like 300 bucks to work like 60 hours one week. It, it was miserable. And I had to provide – I wasn't getting comped for my gas. So I had like a collection of like silver dollars and presidential coin memorabilia. And I had mm-hmm. to sell it at a pawn shop to afford gas to drive to the other part of the state to go work for less than minimum wage for somebody. Mm-hmm. And they lost yeah, and even if they had one, that doesn't change my life at all.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and you know, and I kind of seen some of that of how you know, and like the GOP, the Democrats, they do this stuff. This isn't like unique to the LP, right? Yeah, that uh, the way the system can just churn, like, like chew people up and spit them out because you know, I, I'd seen it firsthand in like the 2016 election for, or the 2012 election, excuse me, um, for example, in particular because I was like at the time at that time I was part of like the College Republicans down in Miami. And so I was kind of like doing things and they're like, Hey guys, come on by, we're going to have a campaign event. And turns out that campaign event is we want you to sit here and make phone calls. Um, and I've been burned by like other agencies before where, yeah, like they, you know, they want you to sell a product for them, but that they don't comp your gas. So I, so I know, I know exactly the kind of things that you're talking about. Um, what I talk about, so, so I thought, so it might be useful and I have it pulled up here to just like say what I defined the libertarian moment as, if this could work. I just bought an iPhone for the first time, so I'm still getting used to. Oh, like you're the part whole, of the cult now. I, I I technically have both, but yes. Um, well, you're
1: gonna shed the other one eventually. It'll come overnight. You won't even realize it.
0: Yeah, it's I know, like leaving I know. a
1: child you don't like at the mall. If you yeah. just keep driving, maybe you'll forget they're there.
0: Oh my, um, that moment occurs. So the libertarian, the post-libertarian moment occurs when in the face of lockdowns, a libertarian sees the dogmatic professions of faith and popular democratic political strategies as insufficient methods of stopping government and corporate tyranny. Here's another way of putting it. I, I believe that there are a lot of good ideas in the Austrian school, right? In the minds of Rothbard and Mises and Hoppe and Hayek and all these other people whom I've looked up to. I think I think they have the right solution for things. I think in fact I think in fact it would create a more stable society if there were policies put through that I that are broadly speaking libertarian. But in twenty twenty, when the governor of your state told you, you didn't you couldn't go to work anymore or you were one of the lucky essential people, where was the libertarian then? We weren't in the we weren't in the boardrooms. We weren't in the Oval Office. We weren't in the governor's mansion. We weren't even in the state houses. So that's a problem because here we have real tyranny. These are the, these, these are the times that will be written about in history this next decade. These are the times that people will hopefully look in the future and be like, how did it get so bad? And yeah, it might not seem like that right now, but you know, history over 100 years can be sum- can be summarized in a paragraph and that paragraph can be pretty awful to read. So we had so so that's a full stop. Where where were we? We had people on shows, we had people with reach and influence who were able to do things, but specifically politically. Oh, well, you know, we're general, but there's there's a huge contingent of an anti-politics movement in this that says if you even think about running for office, you're an immoral person, even though the person that probably inspired you to look up, up, look up these ideas was in political office at one point in time. So here we have a very obvious contradiction. The, the whole don't be poor thing is another one. Supposedly, we're the capitalists, right? Mm-hmm. right? We're the people who defend free markets. And we're the people who defend the idea, generally speaking, that ethically gained profits are a good thing. It's a signal, of a, it's a, it's a signal that you're doing the right thing. But tell somebody that if they can't afford to pay their rent, they shouldn't be devoting their time to political organizing. Or even just, you know, if you can't pay your rent, maybe you shouldn't be doing a show. Or, if you, or you know, if that's how you're doing your show, like, you know, hustle, man, hustle. Like, that's, that's not my, that's not, I'm not trying to, of course, take, a, take anything away from people in that regard.
1: But, but it, it's, it's sad because you're not pointing out one example. You're not pointing out a handful of people. I have, I have encountered hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands over the course of the last decade who will go ahead and their whole personality will be trying to lecture people about libertarian solutions and libertarian reactions and they will go ahead and, you know, it's almost like, being a fanatic over a band or a singer or celebrity or something. There's there's just so much attention on making sure this person succeeds. It's almost the equivalent of people who are donating to Kylie Jenner. So that way she could be the world's youngest female billionaire ever. When I saw Mm. that, I was like, are people that stupid? And then when I look at libertarian politics, I'm like, yes, they are. And, you know, I, I remember pulling Jason Stapleton back into this. Um, he was getting in, into an argument with a bunch of poor people on Twitter. And, um, you know, one of those people basically said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go to every state convention in every state over the next year, except I need you to help me get there by donating to my GoFundMe. And it was actually a joke by somebody. It was yes. somebody pointing out the fallacy. I think it was Mark. Of, it
0: might have been Mark Metz. Actually, I think it
1: was I th- maybe. I maybe
0: know not. he did something like that, but anyway, keep it going. was
1: something like that, and I remember laughing my ass off because that—that's how it is. It's it's constant and regular charity for people, and it's like if you want to go ahead and do something like this, you first need to understand one: it, it's a hobby for the rich. That's that's really what it mm. is, plain and simple. At least from my view, it's a hobby for the rich.
0: You've definitely okay. been on the inside.
1: Oh, brother, I was as swampy <laughs> as it fucking came. I walked out with scales in the morning, and I mm-hmm. loved it. But mm-hmm. it, it was one of those situations where when I, – I, I used to have a show since, you know, we're, we're getting to know each other. I used to have a show where every – Every other day, as I was living at home, as I was bleeding cash, I was interviewing libertarian candidates from across the country, talking about their amazing ideas and how people could support them and everything. And then eventually I was like, fuck this. And then years Mm -hmm. later, when I had my come to Jesus, road to Damascus moment, um, I start on a different route and I start doing things a little bit differently and now what I really love doing is working with people, consulting people, and helping them grow side businesses, helping them generate active and passive streams of income so they could achieve more options and more freedom in their life. And literally the other day, I had, I had two cold leads that ended up working out well, and I'm helping these two individuals. One is in their early 20s, one is in their late 50s, already looking at their retirement window, try and create some additional revenue so they could pay their bills and be a little bit more comfortable. And somebody said, Remzo, if, if you're so good at this and if you want to help so many people, why are you charging for that? And, and I was just like, do you go to Subway and ask for free sandwiches? No, no, I would never do that. I'm like, do you go to your barber and say, if you're so good at this, why don't you cut my hair for free? No, that doesn't make sense. It's a capitalist system. I'm like, then you just answered your own question. Fuck you. And besides, I put, I put half of it in a fucking podcast twice a week as well.
0: Right. So you actually are doing that. (laughs) You actually are doing that thing. It's
1: just, it's this weird disconnect. And I think it has less to do with political purity, willingness to, to be an acolyte for a cause you really believe in. I see a Mm -hmm. lot of insecurity and I think I can narrow it down to just one thing. 2020 was an IQ test for people and a lot of people fucking failed and they can't live with their own failure.
0: That's definitely a part of it. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know, in that you study intelligence, you understand, or really you study Pareto, you understand that most things fall into a bell curve, right? Um, and in fact, I think some of this is just reordering the people who should be, paying, who should be paid attention to. That's, that's, that's how I see some of this post-libertarian business, because I really see it as, um, there's a couple points I wanted to hit. One of them being, you know, in 1970, in 1990... In 2000, in two, even in 2008. In the before times. In the before times. That the point here is there was a crisp, there is a catastrophic moment of history from our perspective that occurred, right? Um, and so you have to, in, in, the, in, in the face of something like that, you either can like retreat, as I put it in the essay, I talk about people who live in a moment, right? And you can live in a moment of history for the rest of your life if you choose to. It's not how I choose to live though right i'm not interested in the person i was i'm interested in learning you know like obviously self growth and stuff like that but i'm not interested in being the person i was at 16 for the rest of my life for some people that might be right because they were captain of the football team or something like right you know as the adage goes peaking Johnny in high Lawrence
1: school and Cobra Kai, yeah
0: yeah yeah right like peaking in high school right so i you know some people some people live in that moment for the rest of their life some people and you know it could happen at different points in time and certainly politically, I think people, people like to live in a moment because, again, there's the sentiment attached. One of the reasons why I think I was able to put things in such a, a, such a useful way, right? Because I think that's what my essay does is kind of crystallize. It traces a history. It talks about what it is from any of the people involved at the highest levels. They basically signed off on it, if not explicitly, then by not coming after me. The only people who have attempted to criticize it have no idea what they're talking about. Right. And in fact, nobody has actually tried criticizing it in in large form. You know, like it's kind of kind of gone quiet, maybe maybe because I don't have that large of a profile, but also maybe because maybe because it's not something that when you read it, it's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Like, I don't you know, this 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 follows. Right. Because what I do is sense making. I want to go a little bit deeper here for a second, though, because there you know, you pointed out like people donating to Kylie Jenner just so she could be rich. You've talked about you've you've kind of talked about like people as idiots for wanting to follow these types of things. I I really take a different view of that, in the sense that um, that like once, so you know, you have to go deeper than just like a a simple individualist frame. We have to understand ourselves at like a biological and, and, and an evolutionary basis, right? evolutionary biology in particular is a field that I've been interested in since I was introduced to it by people like, you know, Jordan Peterson, Gatsad, Brett Weinstein, Heather Hine. I just finished their book. It's fantastic. Um, you recommend it? I I would highly recommend it. I need
1: something on my reading list.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really good. It reads really easily. Their prose is very nice and accessible. So that's, and it's done with a lot of storytelling, which is very useful. Um, but like, so, and you could look, and then the work of like Jonathan Haidt with the psychology of morality, right? And and these different things is we are beings who crave to be a part of something, even within you know, like you know, the rugged individualism was like a progressive construct. Mises's methodological individualism has very little to do with the rugged individualism of like the early twentieth century, um, and so like so, you know, we're we're beings that crave meaning, we crave community, we crave purpose right and so for some people that purpose becomes so so i look at it as how do i direct people to a purpose kind of like you were saying with growing businesses how can i help direct people in a direction that will like uh, towards a purpose that will cause them to flourish and not wither because you know as you know as in business if you're not growing you're dying right i do sales like you know uh, the point is to drive sales so i think um So I, so I'm not, I don't like taking things away from people, but it's, but I think, I think a lot of time, but if you think you're this like prescient person who has no allegiances, no, like that your ideas don't come from somewhere that you think for yourself, man, I hate that phrase. I'll be honest with you. I understand the sentiment, but like technically it's incorrect. Um, but so I think there are deeper forces at play that if all you've done is study economics, and like libertarian political philosophy, and you haven't looked at other areas of philosophy, like epistemology or metaphysics, if you're not well, if you're not well versed in, your, in like theology, not, I'm not talking about being raised religious. I'm talking about understanding theology. What is the, what is the defense and explanation for all of these things? I think, I think it's very easy to miss these more natural human things. What, I, what did I say at the beginning? Like, I think I, I, to the point, the reason why I thought joining the Libertarian Party was a good idea, as smart as I might be, was because it bore my name. Because that's what I am, so that's where I should go.
1: I find, a, and I will, I will consider a, a personal weakness of mine, and I think I identify it more in other people since I've been able to identify it in myself, I think the, I think the term is solecism wondering whether or not you're the only cognizant person and whether other mm-hmm. people have as much level of consciousness and co- cognizance as you do. I probably screwed that up. Yep. Like I, I, I do often kind of fall into that sometimes. Like I'll look at people and I'll actually think like, is there, are, are they, are they as capable of observing life and taking information from it as I am? Or are they just, you know, or, are they not programmed that way or or, or something else? Mm -hmm. And um, I I see it as less as, you know, well, how do I put this? I I used to really apply that to people without even really thinking about it. I used to just think a lot of people, you're just never going to be able to convince them. You're never going to be able to make them see or feel or understand things Mm -hmm. you do. Now I'm at the point now where I try and have a little bit more sympathy, especially when it comes to people who would otherwise be part of my flock because they're reacting to things based off their own earned experiences and their own understanding of the world from wherever they come from. And I I think it's really hard, and and maybe it's coming from a a point of ego, it's really hard for me to talk about things as if I really know what I'm talking about unless I really know what I'm talking about and I have some firsthand experience with it.
0: And, and a lot with, of pe- and most people don't feel that way. And it, most it, people don't it, feel that way about politics. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah,
1: no, I mean you you hit it you hit it right on the head. And that's the thing that I think kind of bothers me about libertarians. Because what I will say is that there's something special about people that are real that are willing to read books from dead Austrian economists from a hundred years ago. But I don't understand how you're willing to do that, but you're not willing to improve your own lives. That that's a disconnect. I almost feel like they should be mutual. They should be overlapping. If you hmm. understand these things, you should be preparing yourself for, for, for the coming challenges instead of being victim to it each time.
0: Yeah. I would say this is where learning about like big five personality and learning and studying more about like biology and evolutionary biology has helped me put this in a pro, in a better frame in a strictly economic frame. This is a matter of the division of labor, right? Like we, wouldn't experience and i and as a as a philosophical skeptic which is what i consider my school to be my school of thought to be that's my me- that, that that that's my method for a lot of things is putting inquiry before dogmatism putting doubt before assent and i've i've at this point trained my brain to where like i automatically run through these things very very quickly for complex topics um but so So like with, but to the point of learning about like the big five, so we think personality exists across five dimensions. Well, the person you just described is somebody who I think would be categorized as like maybe high in openness of like above average intelligence, but, but perhaps lower in, and like, but introverted and, and less conscientious, which is like the hardworking metric. Like how, like how well do you show up on time? And I'm saying this as somebody who is chronically, I run on Cuban time. I'm 10 minutes late like you know and so it's like that's my own personal thing i try to show up places on time my hair appointment every month is a great example of this i drive out to the suburbs so i can go see my parents afterwards i've been seeing the same guy to cut my hair for like 4 or 5 years so it's great cuz i don't have to like explain what i want he already knows it so i mean you know it's like always a big thing uh, that's my day that's the big plan and i am still 5 minutes 5 to 10 minutes late driving 90 on the highway to get out there on a saturday morning um so, which is to say some of, this is, some of this is putting it in that perspective, right? So, like, and the skept- looking into and studying the skeptics of history helped me frame this in a very early way because, like, a, like, the skeptical school of thought can't exist unless there's two conflicting narratives within a society. And one of the earliest ones, you can point to somebody like Socrates, but in that it was formalized was in the Third Academy after Aristotle. Because Plato's, I think it would be Plato's the first, Aristotle's the second, and then the third Academy, the Peronians, the Academic Skeptics, as they were called, um, which was different from the uh, Sextus Empiricus brand. But to the point was, you had in in the Hellenistic in in Greece, amongst the Hellenistic people, you had a debate, philosophically speaking, between the Stoics, who were who were very who were mystical right? They believed in a natural ordering to the universe. And this ordering was so profound that you don't have control over anything, but your judgment of the thing. You don't even have control over your actions and words and how you respond to things. And so, and so there, but there was this divine ordering, right? There was this idea of providence within that. And so that led to practical steps and you had the Epicureans and the Epicureans weren't, didn't think Epicureus didn't think God existed. He was very materialist. He thought it was all about maximizing pleasure for today. Now, let me ask you that question. Let me ask you the question I like asking. Does that sound like any other point in human history? <laughs> and so in the in the wake of these two things, you have it, the rise of fun, the skeptics. I mean,
1: it's funny to it be put that way.
0: Yeah. Right. And so this is so when all you've read are are, and like not to say reading, like if you've read Mises, you are of a certain above average intelligence. Right. Just to just to be able to get through that. But I think one of the things I've called libertarianism an accident of the Internet, and I think also it's it's a movement that's that suffers from popularity. Because in broad in broad terms, you know, I, I peg it in the essay to 2008 because that's the poli- that's, that's a political consequence. But really, we, tra- we can trace it to like the 60s, right? Um, you know, Murray Rothbard and how many people in his in his living room, right? You could count well, the libertarians. Well, I, always, one I hand. always
1: liked um the, the the real acronym for Cato for the Cato mm. Institute. It's Crane and the others, and then Ed Crane is fighting the cokes. So it should have yep. been Cato with a K, like Bruce Lee's Cato, and then it just jumps into a bunch of other shit. But yeah. I mean, you know, it, 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 it fall, it, it, I, I see the thought that you're following this with and, well, and let,
0: yeah. let me just, let me complete the loop if you don't yeah, go mind, ahead, go ahead. which is to say it was largely started by academics, the, the intellectual movement, certainly the Mises crowd, right. Which is, mm-hmm. I think, but judging by our conversation is probably what you, you would consider an intellectual home as well. Right. The Mises yeah. Institute. Um, so, so like, so certainly that crowd was very academic focused. Well, that's great. If the only people who are looking into what you're talking about are academics, when you move be or are people capable of that level of thought and, you know, and sophistication and, um, and also putting it in its proper sphere, which is where I'm, which already, is where I'm already going.
1: open to that level of understanding. Correct.
0: Thanks. And in fact, are being trained elsewhere to have that because it's, it is something that requires some training. So when you take that academic mindset and you try to maximize that across the population, you're going to have a bad time. Because not every person who likes the ideas is going to be able to interact with them in the same way. This is again, why I made the differentiation before you'll recall of like knowing your theology and your apologetics versus like somebody who just goes to church. Both of them can can be considered Christian, Muslim, Jewish as the case may be, right? Both of them are considered the same thing, but they have completely, if we really tried to tease it out, they have completely different layers of understanding as to what that thing is. I don't see anything wrong with that. In fact, I would argue that unless your idea can operate on these multiple levels, I think the Catholic Church is a good example of this, but unless you're, unless you're, um, bec- and the reason being like, because you could say, I could say, Jesus tells you not to sin, so don't do it, or you're going to hell, or we could get into a much longer, deeper, like theological discussion of like God's love for us, how we're all made in his image, and so then to to, to, uh, to, you know, to sin against another person, to harm your brother or your sister or somebody, you know, a fellow Christian would be, is to harm God. Right. And so, to, so again, there's different ways in which we can express the same idea. This all coalesces in what I term the paradox of identity, which I think, especially in politics is a big, is, is part of the reason why we have so much, um, dissonance that occurs. And of course, going back to my idea before, like the best ideas are ones that harmonize across multiple levels because harmonies are different frequencies that operate in con- that that create a pleasant tone. Um, so, 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 so the paradox of identity briefly is that if with, for a given word and other people have, this isn't like unique to me, but I call it a paradox and I, and I sp- specifically put it towards identity, right? Because there's, um, there's like the postmodern construction, which kind of goes like a word is defined by a word, which is defined by a word. And so it's words all the way. What I talk about is the fact that like taking the word libertarian, I have certain positive associations and certain negative associations. You have certain positive associations and negative associations. Somebody else has the same thing. Now, my positive associations could actually be your negative associations, or we could share the negative associations, but not the positive associations. And so in philosophy, the way by which we can overcome this is through inquiry and through the exercise of reason. So we can actually say, okay, well, what's like, I'll say a lot. Like, what do you mean by that? Right. So, as as a skeptic, I don't. I try not to talk about the truth with a capital T. I say that I'm looking for what is, and what is exists somewhere between expression and understanding. And so, I'm like calibrated within that frame to try and figure out where thing, what, um, how thing, like, what, what is, what is going on, what is the thing, what is the thing in itself.
1: I I think to kind of and 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 jump in if you. A mm-hmm. weakness in what I'm about to say. I, I think I understand that almost in the way that it, it's why I liked Gary Johnson in 2012 and I didn't like Ron Paul because Ron Paul was talking about certain terms and certain theories and certain worldviews that were completely alien to me despite the fact that we both have the same intention which is what drives us towards peace and broader freedom for people. I didn't understand mm-hmm. that with Ron Paul at all whereas with Gary Johnson he was very empirical about it when he was running as a Republican on the debate stage. And you could kind of contrast him and Paul because they both have the same direction in mind, the same destination, except what I liked about Gary Johnson at the time was he was able to say, if we do X, Y, and Z, it guarantees this, this is why I go for this option. And I was like, yeah, they're right there. Why can't Mm -hmm. why can't the other guys be like that guy?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think somebody like Ron Paul, it was uh, like the, the strength of his character came through which is what people, which people admire again, looking for a leader, looking for an authority. This is a natural human tendency that we have. This is why people tend to look to the government as the authority. And this is why libertarianism failed, failed the American people, frankly, in 2020, because we weren't interested in being that authority bro- 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 uh, broadly speaking. And, you know, there are reasons for that. Like, I'm not saying it's the easy task to operate within the Republican party. Um, but I, but, but to the point is that that's the thing I take on as somebody who is trying to improve himself, right? Who is trying, and, and so, and you see that as I, as you become a more stable person and you become somebody who people can depend on more and more, even if you were dependable to begin with, right? There's increase, there can still be increase there. You start to notice how your opinion has sway, right? Because people trust you. And so this is again, to the point of the political movement. Um, I think to, to, with the academic, again, it was like, we tried to, ma- it, it, there was this explosion in popularity, but there was really not a good, well, the only one that existed was the corporate Coke infrastructure, right? Which, which is a different strain of libertarianism and one that I don't think is up to snuff. Um, so I, I like, so what I've said is that the post-war order, the libertarian prescription to the post-war order is out of date. We are running, we are running windows 2000 and we need to upgrade to windows 10. Or eleven, as the case may be, right? These are the analogies that I can use to try and elucidate the point. Um, and and so like so, it's it's almost. In, you could also spin it as a vict- being a victim of your own success in a way, right? Because I've always said, I get this from Montaigne, who was like, a, who is a Renaissance era skeptic, who his book is all of these interesting insights into how this was around the time that you know, like Europeans were exploring slash colonizing different places and you know like we were looking and we were going to all these different countries and like you know he has this whole section about how animals reason right how animals use reason and logic in their everyday life and specifically with like elephants who we know have a very sophisticated social structure same with primates and things like that um so he was like so what good is our reason per se in in, in the face of this now obviously i think a human does operate at a higher level and we kind of know that as it relates to reason. But how many people do you know that treat logic as the end? As long as something is logical, therefore it must be the best thing, right? This is also a problem because most people aren't logically consistent and they're not interested. Yeah,
1: I mean, when you take postmodernism into account, mm -hmm. the most logical action is usually the most utilitarian action and that's what leads to freaking Nazi Germany. Sure. Right, right, right. They, were, they well, were extremely logical in their utilitarian skill that was, you know, pushed forth by postmodernism and everything else, but it was used for evil.
0: We are not these beings of pure logic and reason. We are animals as well, right? I think we also operate on another dimension of faith, which I think is what makes humans unique compared to the rest of the, compared to the rest of the, the beings we find on earth.
1: I, um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a practicing Christian, Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes people are like, well, how much of a Christian are you? It's like, I went to, I went to Liberty University, bitch, which is why when I say <laughs> bitch, they're like, well, obviously you didn't do that great. And the answer is, yeah, I didn't do that great. But like, I, I, I come from that worldview. Sure. And I'm, I'm also a practicing stoic. And then people are like, well, how, how much of a stoic are you? And it's like, I do a memento mori meditation when I wake up and before I go to sleep, it's mm-hmm. like that, that, that's how much I am. And when people are like, well, is there an inconsistency? I'm like, no, because all, all the Stoics, most of them were, were men that had an external faith in things they cannot see. And then yep. they're like, well, doesn't it just make you a callous, logical asshole? I'm like, well, I'm an asshole inherently because that's how my personality is. But I don't see Stoicism necessarily as a method of providing all the answers to the world. I see it as a band-aid, as a reminder for the things that I cannot control and how to accept it and move on so I can live functionally. Mm-hmm. For the most part, and, and, and when it, and when it comes to those things, they they might often seem contradictory. But it's it, it's it's one of those things that I have found. It's like we can lean very far into faith, or we could lean very far into reason. But either way, you're you're gonna be lost and without real answers for how to live your life if you don't find a way to marry the two.
0: And I w- I completely agree with you. And what I would add is, then we also have this biological underpinning which is like the lizard brain, right? This is the thing that makes you want to, this is the thing that makes you want to chase after the guy that cuts you off in traffic. We have, we have that operating within us as well. We're kind of complex. Right. So, um, and so, and I think one of the reasons, you know, you're somebody who's clearly thought out what, you know, what, where, what his position is in the world and like what you believe and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm of a similar mind. What we've witnessed and this, and, and so like the, in the before times, the general idea would be, you well, the do more the
1: fingers when you do the before times. I don't... There's an audio show, so I do it more for my own being, but it's like, yeah, the, na, 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 the
0: before yeah. Times. but in the before times in the before for, um, but in the before times, right? Like it was, it, it seemed plausible that given a high, given a large enough reach with the right messenger in the, on the right platform, libertarian ideas could sweep across the nation. Some people will disagree with me let's just go with it for the sake of argument, right? So we're going to now explore this idea and this chain of logic as far as we can. Well, what is that? I don't think you can say that. I, I do not understand how somebody could say that post-2020. We no, have seen, I mean, it in just, fact... It,
1: it, it's, it, it's an inflection point. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no treating the world today like 2020 didn't happen.
0: Yeah, and, the same way you wouldn't, treat, yeah. you wouldn't treat New York City without the Twin Towers. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, they, like those that those don't they don't exist anymore.
1: We're, uh, we're we're running close on time. I really want to get your your, your, your thoughts on this. Um, we'll, we'll have to have you back on again to you know, continue a lot of these conversations. But with the remaining time we have, you brought up this idea of a mass messenger to try and get these ideas out there to people. I think that's where a lot of people are trying to 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 bridge this argument between the post-libertarian idea and this idea of just giving it another shot through the political route, primarily through the libertarian party. And, and I almost see it like prophesizing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, let's, let's use Dave Smith as an example because, you know, he's like the anti Jason Stapleton in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I hate, I hate seeing friends fight. I know that they, that they are good friends, but on this one, I, I've really just been kind of annoyed of Dave Smith because you know, it's, it's like what I've said about Spike Cohen, who I personally really admire. I think Spike Cohen is a great messenger for liberty, but Spike Cohen has not improved my life any degree. And it's not his fault. It's not like it was... And it's not what, like, what
0: is Spike going to do for you? Really? It, yeah, exactly. You know.
1: And it's, you know, when it comes down to this whole world. Well, we'll, and I like we'll, Spike, too, for the record. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, I just I, wanted I to think, put it out I there. I've never awesome. met him, but he
0: seems like a really nice guy.
1: Yeah, he, he's a great guy. And I want him to keep doing what he's doing and grow larger. But, you know, it's not like I, I think there are a lot of people looking for like this, this almost messianic figure. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is being pinned to Dave Smith right now because he's going to run for president. And what's going to happen is he's going to become more famous. He's going to become richer. He's going to become more influential. But all these people who will have sacrificed time, relationships, and treasure to boost a man who will never know their name, their lives will not increase. And I think we're at the moment where it's like I don't think libertarianism is going to save the world, but I think it's going to save a lot of other people who would otherwise be casualties to the coming times that we have, not to Mm -hmm. be too apocalyptic on my end. And it's less about, you know, trying to get as many other people awake in like a matrix sense. And it's more about, okay, you've obtained this knowledge. Good for you. Now do it to save yourself and maybe save a few others if you possibly can. I, I, don't, sure. see, I don't see a libertarian world. If anything, I see a world that's going to grow harsher, where if you're a libertarian, you're either going you know, to, tr- you know, get up on dry land or you're going to drown.
0: I think, um, I mean, you know, I think Dave Smith is a credit to somebody who can work really hard and make, and make a success out of himself. Um, I think he deserves a lot of, I think he deserves all the praise that he gets. Um, I want to see Dave Smith on the debate stage on the Republican primary debate stage in
1: 2024. Whoa. Okay. He said Republican primary debate stage. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do.
1: That's the most controversial. I
0: I think, I think if we want, I think if we want Uh. to get our message out there, right, I'm speaking to the in group right now, which is what the, my essay is designed for the in group. I think if you read it as an outsider, you might be confused by some of the terminology and stuff,
1: but all the normal people tuned out half an hour
0: ago. Yeah, that's fair. I'm generally somebody who I don't think that the national, I don't think national elections are worth people's time. I'm somebody who's more interested in localism which is kind of, which isn't, it's not contradictory, but like, I don't, I don't see myself living where I'm living for a long time. I kind of live the life of a nomad, but I understand the, but, but because of that, I really understand the importance of community and like being a part of like a town or a city. Because um, as somebody who moved around a lot, I never really experienced that, right? Like I know people who lived in the same house for there for like 20 years. I, I think the longest I've lived in one place my entire life was six years. I think that was the longest I ever lived in like one location. Um, cuz my you know my parents are divorced so we would go back and forth a lot. Anyway, um, but okay, so I want so let's get back to the meat and right, and let's make sure this is something we can clip. I want to see Dave Smith on the Republican primary debate stage. Because everybody already admits that Dave Smith is not going to win the the the, the presidency as a libertarian candidate. Dave Smith admits that he is not, he does not think that he will win if he runs as a libertarian. I think it's a shot, I think it's almost impossible for him to win in, in the Republican primary. But it gives our ideas an opportunity to be heard by the nation. And can you imagine anybody set up better to counterpunch the counterpuncher Donald Trump than Dave Smith?
1: Oh, it'd be a massacre.
0: Here's the best part. If the LPMC is able to take over the Libertarian Party, they can change the rules so that Dave Smith can run in the primary and then switch to the LP for the general.
1: Now, kind of, like, kind of that, like Gary Johnson 2012.
0: That's going to offend a lot of people's sensibilities. And to that, I say... You are not interested in taking political action. You are interested in making a political statement and shame on you for taking people's dollars as a consequence of that. Because if all you're interested in is making a political statement, then by all means, do what I'm doing. Write, do a podcast, right? Engage in action like that. Try to influence people to your thing. But if we're gonna do a presidential campaign, and like I said, Dave Smith said, join the LP. And so I did, and here I sit talking about the post-libertarian moment a year later. So that's, so that's what I want to see because you know what? Dave Smith is an, is an exceptionally talented communicator. And he actually can do that. And I used to cringe at the fact that people were looking for a messiah or that people would flock to a cult of personality. But, but frankly, I understand now that there's just something human about that. So it matters, it matters who, that is, who that person is
1: yeah we right? see construction whether yeah. we wh- whether we openly f- throw flowers at their feet or not we that's that's how we fall to things
0: yeah that's what i want to see and if we're having the conversation you were like you were saying before you were on the inside right like people who have been involved with campaigns or like oper- actually operated within the political system and by that i mean like the, the the process of running and winning and you know reelecting people for office they understand they understand this too that's why most of them who are any good don't work in the Libertarian Party and they work for the Republicans and oh, man, they don't there, work there's for the Democrats. A, there, Let me, there's a reason,
1: I mean, there's a reason why I ended up in rooms of freaking Corey Lewandowski and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not because I loved elephants that yeah. I, I did, you know, work with Republicans for a while. It was just because it's like I need to see some actual change or else all of it is for nothing.
0: Yes. And and to the point, I think that and again to the point I want the point I want to reiterate is I think I do believe, you know, not everybody who would call themselves like post libertarian or praxian as the case may be would necessarily agree with this, but I do believe that there is enough of an infrastructure that if they wanted to, they could easily, like you said, they already have the pack, they already have the method for fundraising, they already have the infrastructure in place and the people. My my charge to the LPMC is to start identifying three, three types of people. Forget the, forget the taking over the party. I know, I, I know, by the way, that I can't stop them, but I'm just, you know, for the sake of argument, forget taking over the party. You need to look for three people. You need to look for people who want to run for office. This is very obvious to me, by the way. Like, you, when you look for people, this is basic politics too. Run for office, run a campaign, have the money to support it.
1: Oh, Those are the only... You're forgetting the fourth one. Which is? Not having publicly gotten into fights of prostitutes. That helps. That does help. That helps.
0: That does help. Free advice. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't don't do that. Um,
1: if you're gonna, the point: if you're gonna fight a hooker, mm-hmm. understand that they're strikers; they're not grapplers. So if you can get in close, you can you can make a, your way out of it. But also, don't do it in public. And also, take them to court if yeah. you can. But I'll leave that for another day.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So, but, the, Go but for those, the eyes. those those are the three people. You could start running people in local elections starting tomorrow. Right for these very consequential midterms, where we know turnout is lower, and generally speaking, people are going to be favorable to one more point because it's important. Basic political science in the United in in basic political political science point here, and it's something that it took I had to be dragged to kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming, our Republican form of government with a winner take all system creates the two party system. Right? It's not this. It's not this accident of the universe. It creates a two party system. Moreover, the Westminster model, it makes with proportional representation, makes it easier for multiple parties to be elected. But you know what happens when those multiple parties are elected is they still coalesce into a voting block along two party lines, which is to say, even if we had the magical representation system that made the libertarians easy to get into Congress, they were going to caucus with the Republicans anyway, because otherwise you wouldn't have a governing coalition, right? Let's, let's imagine that it's a sizable third party such that we see in like the U.K., or other or, or other parliamentary systems. So again, just the form of the government lends lends it to this as well. And to the point, we've already established in 2020 that in the face of tyranny, most people don't turn libertarian. They comply. And that's and again, I think there is just something human in that. And I think I think it's I think it's um I think it's shameful for people who consider themselves of an intellectual vanguard to not understand and respect that about the average person that they don't, that they're not interested in pursuing politics the way that we might be or political ideas. Again, they, that's they, another they insight just, that I came just, to. They kicking just want to show
1: up. I mean, they just want to show up on election day mm-hmm. when, exactly. when 90% of the decisions have already been made for them.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and so instead of fighting that and trying to, you know, create the perfect world, right? Which is, you know, not to, not to be too rude about it, but that's kind of a Marxian idea. The idea that we can create man in our, in the image that we want and not take the constrained view vis-a-vis Thomas Sowell, who says that man is, you know, that we are, we are a being with a nature. Again, that biological instinctual level that we've talked about here, you know, like that, like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of taking the unconstrained view of man to think that we can reform politics. And I say, this is some, I say, this is somebody, again, you, I say this as somebody who has argued differently in the past, but such a critical event like 2020, the lockdowns, this pandemic that we've been living through the fact that there are now internal passports in the United States, right? You never would have thought that that was, you never thought that was going to have are internal passports in the United States right now. And they're not going away unless people unless we have the, <laughs> unless we have the reactionary, elements of this country and guess what it's not just going to be us we have to we have to build bridges and build coalitions it's i'm just not interested in building coalitions with people who don't see the tyranny for what it is
1: i could not have said that better myself i'll be uh, we're up on time and i gotta you know make sure that we can get this up in time for people and everything if if people want to go ahead and uh, you know argue with you on twitter check out your work and everything else that you do how could they do so
0: I am the mind behind the Been Awake Project for Better Sense Making. Please go to beenawake.com and subscribe with your email address so that we can stay in contact. You get original work um, and my podcast all through the email. You can subscribe on all the major podcasters, Been Awake, and you can follow me on all social media. I'm mostly active on Twitter, but I have an Instagram at the LB That's Muniz. That's M U N I Z.
1: LB, greatly appreciate it, folks. Um, If you value conversations like this and you want to help get it to a larger audience, please, it costs you nothing but means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher Play, wherever you're listening to the show across Al Gore's amazing internet. As always, be safe, be good, good night.